Welcome back to another Edge Got In podcast. Thank you for pushing the pause button to Edge Got In to your mind, your will, and those crazy emotions. We're going to be having a conversation about those emotions today. We're actually going to be continuing a conversation about emotional intelligence in Christ, our emotions, how it connects to how we're wired. There are four different disc patterns of attributes, and we're not all wired the same. Believe it or not, not everyone thinks the way that you think. (laughs) That's a shocker. So I'm very excited to continue our conversation today. Uh, This is Emotional Intelligence in Christ Focus. It is launched through Edge Got In, Edge Got In podcast. Our, Our goal at Edge Got In is to champion your human potential in Christ by his grace and the power of the Holy Spirit within us. The topics that we discuss have to do with our emotions, emotional intelligence in Christ. Emotional intelligence in and of itself, from the secular point of view, has value, as Daniel Goleman um, put out in 1995 in his book, Emotional Intelligence. And uh, I think it was a New York Times bestseller for a while as well. So great information. And uh, we have basically, by the power of the Holy Spirit, taken the secular version of emotional intelligence and linked it to the greatest mentor of emotional intelligence, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And that that was the launch of emotional intelligence in Christ. A couple of years ago, we recently launched the six weeks study guide that goes with our first book, Emotional Intelligence in Christ, and that is now available. Thanks be to God. <laughs> Literally, thanks be to God. You can visit us at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. Dot com. Today's title is Connecting Emotional Intelligence in Christ to Disc Part 4. If you haven't listened to the other three parts, simply go to edgegodin.com and you'll be able to locate those parts and catch yourself up. But they each stand alone in their own sense. Today we're focusing on relational management and Christ connections. Our previous topic was on altruistic attitude or awareness of other people, social awareness of how other people are showing up. And then how do you manage them? Simply put, the four areas of emotional intelligence are how aware am I of my emotions? How well do I manage them? First two phases. How aware am I of other people's emotions? And how well do I manage them? The second two phases. Today, we're going to be jumping into the final phase, which is how well do I manage my emotions? Well, I did a pretty good job yesterday, but didn't do a good job the day before. So I don't know where you're standing with that, but perhaps you have some good earth school classes that you can relate to as we're talking about those Christ connections that we do have and how well we manage our emotions or the emotions of other people in the midst of those connections that God brings into our life. So let's jump in. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Sweet Jesus, we know that without your grace, we will get hijacked very quickly by a strong emotion. Perhaps we already have been earlier today, or we will be. Give us the grace to remember we're not alone in our victory, overcoming the fleshly impulses that lead to envy, jealousy, strife, and all kinds of ugly animal planet moments. Give us the grace to give our spirit, the Holy Spirit within us, the same spirit that rose you from the grave, more authority 
than our flesh. So that when we stand before you, we will be able to hear your sweet words. Well done, good and faithful servant. Your greatest commandment is to love you and love others. Without you, Lord, simply relying on our flesh, our emotional intelligence will fall flat. We know that to be true. With you, we have victory. No matter how you have woven us together, whether we're task-driven, people-driven, process-driven, or logic-driven, whether we want control, whether we want social acceptance, whether we want routine, or whether we want to get it right, you understand us. Give us the grace of compassion toward ourselves and people around us, and also give us victory in our ability to remain attentive to your strength as we have these encounters that you put in front of us with other people. Lord, you first put Adam in the garden, and he was with you before you introduced another human being. Help us to remember that our greatest victory comes in the first phase of emotional intelligence with you, and that's our identity grounded in you. That gives us victory in our ability to connect with others as you did. So have your way with us, Lord. In spite of ourselves, have your way with us. In your most precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Once again, I am joined by my friend and colleague, Ken Vogus, who is adjunct professor at Dallas Seminary. And he's been with me uh, on this series of Connecting Emotional Intelligence in Christ to DISC. And it's really a deeper dive into what does that look like? Today's focus is Christ connections or relational management, as we refer to it in our book, Emotional Intelligence in Christ. How do we manage our relationships? How well do we manage our relationships? So before we jump in, think about a relationship that you have with someone, and it's not going the way you want it to go. Just drop into that for a moment. And tune into those emotions that are taking center stage as a result of some of the dissension between you and this other person. Now we're going to jump in to share with you our learning objective by the end of today's podcast that you will learn five components of relational management, or as we have redefined it, as Christ connections that Jesus modeled for us. And we'll also explore how to use them, these different areas, five different areas, with the help of the Holy Spirit to up your emotional intelligence in Christ so that you can love your neighbor as yourself, even in the midst of differences. Ken, thank you for joining us again today. This is a, it's a hot topic because no matter where we go, those darn human beings, they're everywhere, right? <laughs> Yep. <laughs> so sure. lots of opportunity to be hijacked into our strong emotions, just saying. You got it. And it usually occurs with between our two ears. So in this session, we're going to be focusing on both Jesus and God the Father on the subject of relational management, or as we redefined it in our book, Emotional Intelligence in Christ, Christ Connections. So what are the, why, why is this a good focus? Well, 
there, there, there's two reasons, and we're talking about, you know, I know that the book talks about Jesus, but uh, let's not leave God the Father out of this thing. Mm-hmm. And, and I think to showcase both is, is critical, but that, that I believe that God and Jesus were, were and are aware of our relational management skills associated with individual behavioral styles. They, they know this stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they, they, mm-hmm. they do. And, and the second issue is, is what we're, furthermore, we're going to, we're going to look at four separate biblical case studies, which, which shows Jesus and God the Father actions parallel in the disc environment. So we're, we're linking emotional intelligence with this to, to really understand how to go ahead and respond and relate and reinforce each of the, uh, the disc behavioral styles. And the biblical case uh, studies or characters that I use are Peter, Paul, Moses, and Abraham. And bottom line, Jesus and God the Father knew how to apply the relational management strategy thousands of years before it was discovered in the 20th century. Mm. I, I like your stuff, but it's old stuff because it's already in Scripture. So mm. uh, don't take offense now. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, isn't it? Isn't it amazing? And um, someone's told me, you know, there's there's nothing that really should be copyrighted because um god is the you know the the one that gives us all the wisdom and discernment as we're as we're going through this journey of life so i can relate to that so we're going to jump in ken let's talk about the first component here um, okay to, to help us and that's developing relationships getting along with others nurturing and maintaining long-term personal relationships and having quality connections and friendships this is a, a key desire in the human heart, safety and connection, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And having that connection helps us thrive and survive. So where do you find Jesus nurturing and making a quality connection with one of his disciples so we can follow his lead on this and what this should look like for us? Well, the, the, the classic, the absolute classic case study is Peter. <laughs> you know, and and he, he um, occasionally he would say something right, and uh, a lot of times he wouldn't. You know, and 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 Jesus really just continued to come back and connect with him and nurture him in spite of his his fumbling around. And I think the 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 big one, of course, is is. Uh, his three denials, you know, the three times when he publicly stated that, that, that there's, there, there's no way that, that, that I did not deny him. Jesus said, no, you're going to deny me three times. And of course he would not hear of it, that at all. And, 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 and of course he did. And uh, there was, which is critical in that is that there has to come with every person, a degree of brokenness that we've we've got to get there and uh and and in the in the case of of jesus what he did is he took the opportunity uh, after the resurrection to go ahead and meet him on the beach and uh go ahead and and uh talk to him talk to the to the, the disciples that's all the disciples were there but what what the real purpose of that was to reconnect with peter and re go ahead and affirm him as the leader and undo his three denials. I, I, I cannot imagine what it meant to Peter 
to go ahead and and uh, be restored in front of his group, being the eye that he was, and this and Jesus coming right back at him and giving him the opportunity to go ahead and do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Uh, you know, and actually, what I get out of that is the undoing of his three denials and restoring him in front of his peers. Uh, that's about as good as it gets as far as nurturing and having a quality connection with the thing. And of course, having fun on the beach, having breakfast. So to me, that's, <laughs> Absolutely. That, that, Absolutely. That's pretty good. That's pretty yeah. good. That, that, that is very good. What, what, what is also significant is that when I put the, the, uh, uh, the, three R's together, and they're actually nine different little segments of that on how to go ahead and deal with an eye, how to respond, relate, and reinforce. Every one of them is in that case study in John 21. It's, mm. it's important to understand it. It's been there for 2,000 years. <laughs> now, just give a couple sentences around those, those three R's, because there's some listeners that might not be familiar with that. Okay, the three R's. The fir first one is how to how to initially respond, how to to a, a particular person. As it related to Peter, you've got to create a friendly friendly environment. That's just one of the components of how to initially respond to them, and 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 then you you talk and continue to to ask questions with a tone of voice that is 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 affirming, which is there. And then the restoring is the re reinforcement. So all of those uh, elements of the three R's that are, uh, the, are are there in that case study. So mm -hmm. actually, it's uh, in the biblical disc. It is it is page twenty four of the biblical disc where it, all those uh, strategies are 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 uh, outlined. Mm -hmm. I love this story um, because we can all relate to it as we have fallen many times and Jesus knows that Peter is a high eye. He knows that he is people driven, right? And his biggest fear is rejection. Yeah. And so you can imagine him rejecting himself and how he must've been imploding at the fact that he denied Jesus three times must've been pretty intense for him. And well, when you read the scripture there, he just bawled like a baby. I mean, mm -hmm. he absolutely mm -hmm. lost it emotionally. He's of course. Like, I not believe I just did this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and he was lowering a snake's belly. You know, he said, man, I, I you know. <laughs> absolutely. And so perhaps, listener, today, you are beating yourself up over something that you've done. And you have confessed it to the Lord. And you have... Uh, experienced his love for you and yet you're not forgiving yourself mm. and this is the place this is the difference between judas and and peter judas took his life jesus or peter's life was resurrected uh by love in spite of his his grief he believed that jesus love was greater than that grief over what he had done judas lost himself in the grief and therefore it got very dark and he ended up taking his life. Jesus is always, always after us in the eye of any storm that we're going through. I find it very impactful to flip into Acts chapter four, Ken, 
when uh, Peter is uh, resurrected in his newfound confidence and able to preach in the square in spite of possible threats on his life with such boldness and confidence. And so Jesus is in the, in the business of, of uh, resurrecting us. I have just a little uh, side trail here for listeners with the specific verses from John 21 through 19, go to those verses and actually imagine your name there. When Jesus is speaking to Peter and saying, Peter, do you love me? Just put your name there. And then when it says, then, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Mm-hmm. Put in one of the fruits of the Spirit there, because we're talking about Christ connections here. So you can say, your name, do you love me? Then be kind to my people. Then be loving, be generous, be faithful, be joyful. Put in the fruits of the Spirit, because those fruits of the Spirit give us the bridges to make those Christ connections in such powerful ways. Let's move on to component two, leadership and influence, operating with warmth, patience, approachability. Even when things seem impossible, you're delivering solutions with assurance and and support. So Ken, where where do we find Let's let's go with God the Father, being patient in offering support and assurances in the Old Testament. I think probably the the classic one, if I had to pick one, is in uh, uh, with Abraham and Sarah, and you you have the fumble in Genesis sixteen. Sarah is you know eighty years old. Abraham's 90 years old, and there was this awareness that they were going to have an heir. And Sarah is sitting there having some second thoughts about this, you know, and she says, well, it ain't. Sure. <laughs> and when you're 80, <laughs> you know, the chances are getting pretty slim. So she comes up with a plan <laughs> to help God out. You know, that always works, right? Mm-hmm. Not so much. Not so much. And by, by uh, suggesting Abraham have relations with Hagar, her servant, to produce an heir, you know, and of course it didn't, you get, you get Genesis 16 and it, it didn't work out at all. In fact, it just fell apart, you know, because Hagar decided at that point in time, she didn't want to be just a servant. She wanted to be the second wife. <laughs> and Sarah comes to him and says, you know, Abraham, you've got a decision here to make. It's either you, it, it, me or her, her, you know, and I know the right answer, you know, so it really fell apart. Mm-hmm. But what's interesting is that Genesis 18, and this is where you show a little bit of patience here <laughs> and mm-hmm. assurances of support, a, a pre-incarnate Christ visits them, <laughs> mm. Mm. and 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 they just sit down and have have lunch, and 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 uh, you know they, they're they're just sitting around talking, and uh, and uh, and and God comes up with that place. I just want to let you know this time next year you're going to have a son. And Sarah did. What did she do? She, she laughed. Went, you have got to be kidding me. <laughs> there is no way that's going to happen. <laughs> God has a sense of humor. <laughs> well, does he ever have a sense of humor? 
Yeah. <laughs> and he and he came after Sarah and he says, you know, you laugh. I said, oh, no, I didn't. She says, yes, you did. <laughs> you laugh. Just, just wait. Mm. Guess what happened? She has, she has a miracle of mirth. She becomes pregnant and has a son. Mm. <laughs> uh, and wow. so they decide. Now, this is just got a little, little humor here. They, they have a son, so they decide to name him something. And they name him Isaac. You know what Isaac means? Joyful laughter. laughter. <laughs> and to me, what that is, gotcha. <laughs> yep. Yep. Gotcha. You know, so I can't think of any more where, where, they, where we use patient, supportive, and, and the assurances, it happened. You know? So enjoy it. You know, and they, yep. uh, and I think they smiled a little bit too. And that. You know, they said, well, we'll just name him Isaac. <laughs> We're going to have a lot of laughter about this one, you know, type of I thing. love it. I love well, that's it. That's a pretty good one, I think. I, I think oh. it qualifies for two, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, the other piece of this, kind of peeling it back, I, I, the podcast right before this one is called Don't Waste Your Suffering. And God never wastes suffering. Can you imagine the suffering of Sarah realizing, uh-oh, Rot row, I made a mistake because then she's experiencing all the emotions of envy and jealousy and strife and the chaos of the ego when Hagar pops out a, a child for Abraham. And so the suffering must have been pretty intense. Yeah. And Jesus just walks smack in the middle of all of it. God just walks smack in the middle of all of it and and makes connections in spite of it. Right. Um, profound connections in the midst of it and reconnecting their hearts to God for his, his glory. So I, I, I think there's, there's so much richness in this case study. You want to go to three? Yeah. Let's move on to component three here. So again, our focus listeners is to think about as we're reading through these five components, how can this scripture, how can this information help me with the Holy Spirit to be able to make Christ connections, to be able to have that ability to manage my relationships in a way that honors God. So as we move to component three, it, think about a change catalyst and, and response, recognizing the need for change and championing detailed a detailed action plan. Here in this component, we answer questions with validated data offering assurances of support while focusing on positive outcomes. So again, staying in the frontal cortex of the brain, not being in the animal planet zone of the brain, the primal brain, but keeping your lights on with Jesus in the, in the frontal part of the brain. So we're solution focused, not problem focused. So can, where do we find God, the father giving specific instructions about a career change, answering questions and giving assurance of support to a specific biblical character? Well, I think I don't think there's a, a bigger case study that you can find as uh, in in changing where you are and going to a new direction than than with Moses. You know, he's out there shepherding sheep for forty years. You know, and how long does it take you to figure that job out? You know, about two. Mm -hmm. You know, and uh, <laughs> after a while, it gets a little boring. I would think. You know, and mm -hmm. then 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 he has a. Um, Moses has an encounter with Mo uh, with the, with God the Father in Exodus three and four, and and the and the and the case study involves the Lord calling Moses to go back to Egypt and bring the Hebrew, Hebrew nation out of slavery uh, to a pre-ordained promised land, and 
Moses initially just declined the assignment, you know, but before he did that, before he said, God, just send somebody else, you know, you got to be kidding me, you know. <laughs> is that, well, he is, a, he is a high C, so his oh biggest my goodness, criticism. They'll drive you crazy with the, mm -hmm. the, with the questions. They'll have, mm -hmm. they'll, have, they'll have a question of why it's a bad idea. <laughs> mm -hmm. and you answer the question with reassurance and they'll come up with another reason why it's a bad idea mm -hmm. <laughs> and another and another you know and 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 the and the thing with with that and and we're getting back to the, the three r's here is that when you're dealing with a high c you've got to you've got to go ahead and give them data with validation and assurances, those three elements have to be in that conversation. Mm -hmm. You've got to you've got to give them good information. It's got to be validated and reassurances. If something happens that you don't know about, I'm I got your back. Those mm -hmm. are the three things that have to be in there, and they're perfect. The the Lord does a incredible job of answering every question and giving him signs and reassurances that's in there you know hmm. <laughs> and 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 Moses you know he keeps coming up with reasons why that's a bad idea and the last one that he comes up with is the fact that you know I don't speak real well and 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 it, and he's saying I'm slow of tongue. What that means is I've got to process before I can respond to you. Mm. And did, did God have that one worked out? Mm -hmm. Of course, he had Aaron, his brother. Was Aaron younger or older? He was older. God had already worked it out before Moses was even born. Mm. <laughs> it's it's just amazing when you look at that on how to deal with with, with the high C styles that that every one of those three R's are there. But the one that is probably the one that is most confusing to people is their expectation of them to go ahead after you answered every question that they have, that they need time to process. And, and in order to get there, they will say, why don't you just get somebody else? Which is exactly what he said, you know, but he had that time to process what he encountered there and and then he had the opportunity to have what i call third party validation in other words to talk to somebody else it's so unique and with with high c's and so misunderstood that they've got to talk to somebody else and get permission from somebody else that's not involved but they respect allowing them to go ahead and make that decision and in this case study it's with jethro he, he talks to his father what do you think about this and i think you ought to go <laughs> and he hmm. went yeah. hmm. so Boy, I'm telling you, if you're talking about answering questions, giving reassurance and get, giving examples or validation, it's all there. It's it's so it's so powerful in this in this one. This is such a great example, particularly when you're addressing a high C, because we know yeah. about high C's. They're logic driven. Um, they're they're also <laughs> biggest fear is criticism. They want to get it right which is why they'll procrastinate many times or want to send someone else. If they have any inclination, they don't think they can do it right. According right. to their standards, the first time they got to do it. Perfect. They got to do it perfectly. Then, yeah. then procrastination often walks hand in hand with the high, high C profile. Many of my clients who are, who are high C's and work with high D's. It's very interesting because, because C's 
solve problems by continually asking validating questions and their need for third party validation. D's and I's have been known to take that personally. Why can't, why can't you accept what I'm telling you? I've been in the industry for 30 years. How come you have to go ask so-and-so or sit on this? And it's, it's nothing personal. That's why I'm a big fan of not Q-tipping it, not taking quit taking it personally. We use in Sherpa coaching. It's truly nothing personal. It's just how they're wired. It's a filter that they have that in order to feel safe solving a problem, third-party validation is a part of that a part of that process, whereas a D, you know, they've got three steps to solve a problem. They're like, what's the problem? Let's move on. And right. and don't you trust me? Sometimes I hear with my clients, you know, that interact that are high C's, high D's, that that's, that's a uh, contention between the two wiring when it's, when it's really nothing personal. It's just simply different Haases, different human operating systems that are that are clashing at that moment <laughs> but god in his emotional intelligence knew how he was wired and effortlessly moved through it to make the connection to get his buy-in i love that well i before you move, move on next i, I want to say is this an isolated case the answer is no mm. it, it, it you you have the same scenario of choosing somebody to go ahead and do it and they think they are totally inadequate to do gideon is a great case study and mm. that that you see third-party validation by god ordering gideon to go into the midianite camp and understand this is you're going to hear them say they're already defeated, <laughs> you know, and, and so he goes down with a witness down into the camp. And sure enough, in the thousands of, of servants or, or soldiers that are down there, there are two guys just talking <laughs> yeah, and validating. I had this dream and we've been defeated. You know, it, it, it's there. There is that third party validation. You mm -hmm. have a, a two New Testament ones where that that occurs with Mary, the, the mother of Jesus and and the the validation of, of, Elizabeth. of Elizabeth being who could not have children and has mm -hmm. children. Mm -hmm. And she stayed there for three months. She was already pregnant six months and she stayed there three months to, to see God told me there was a boy. She stands there, you know. I'm sure mm -hmm. she stayed, saw that boy being being uh, born. And then, of course, with with uh, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, and and Ananias. So there are four case studies of that third party validation, and God understood it. Jesus understood it, mm -hmm. and, and and used that and affirmed this is the proper strategy in dealing with high seas. Absolutely. Absolutely. We have, and, and I just want to make, make note of this, Ken, in our book, Emotional Intelligence in Christ, we offer a, a um, two assessments in there, one for the DISC assessment, the biblical DISC assessment, and the other one for the Emotional Intelligence in Christ, EIC assessment as well, an, an EQ assessment. Then their links are in the links, two links are in our book, Emotional Intelligence in Christ. If you don't already know what your DISC style is, D-I-S-C, it's just a powerful piece of intel for strategic relationships and communication. If you're talking to a D and you know they're task-driven, you're going to get to the point. If you're talking to an I, you're going to make sure that you're going to ask, hey, how was your weekend? For an S, you're going to honor the process, give them space. Hey, this is an idea. Go think about it. Let's talk about it, you know, when you're ready to talk about it, perhaps in two days. 
and the C, you're going to, you're going to want to pr provide as much data as they need to feel comfortable without taking it personally. So it's, it's a very, very powerful, powerful journey into yourself, but also into your awareness that not everyone thinks the way we think, right, Ken? It's, it's very, very, very powerful. So let's move to component four. And this is negotiation and conflict management. Yeah. This is a big one. And, and this is this, how do we cope with, with conflict through positive, a positive, a choice for a positive, proactive and uh, proactive techniques versus reactive techniques that often are hijacked by negative emotions that effectively deals with difficult people and situations. Now let's move to Jesus. He dealt with a lot of difficult people. So listeners, perhaps today you can relate to this. Perhaps you're dealing with a difficult person that you've tried to explain something again and again, and you're just not on the same page. Let's follow Jesus' lead here. Where do we find Jesus dealing with a specific difficult biblical character, Ken, going in the wrong direction? And, and how does he redirect him in a positive direction, a positive ministry? Well, as far as being difficult, there's no no one more difficult as far as a style is concerned than a than a, a than a, what we call a dominant uh, conscientious or DC style. Um, they have a habit of you know deciding what's right and moving on and going in the wrong direction. And of course, you, you have the Apostle Paul in that in that case, and we pick him up in Acts nine where he is on his way to Damascus to go ahead and. And get anybody that's has a thinking about this person called Jesus, and and that's the way to God, and that you know, and putting aside the the law, and and Paul is deciding, hey, the the thing we need to do with these people is arrest them and and and, and kill them, which mm. <laughs> would qualify wrong direction there. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> and, and and so. What happens here is, is when you're dealing with the three hours, the first thing you need to go ahead and do is get their attention <laughs> mm. and stand in the gate there. And, and, and of course, what Jesus does, which we can't do, you know, we, <laughs> Jesus went in and, 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 and blinded him, knocked him, knocked him down, and, and, and he came up and he couldn't see. It. And mm. what's interesting about that, Lauren, is he took control away from Paul. What is so important to these is, is control. Mm. And boy, that was that was neutered right there because he couldn't see and he couldn't really do anything. He couldn't eat or whatever. So he, and because there's a seaside to him, he had some time to process and uh, he had three days just waiting there. Now, remember he's, he, he got some basic information that was, that was focused on a task. And that's how you deal with these. You tell them what the problem is and you give them a solution and let them think about it. Mm. And he had three days to think about it. Mm. Then because the C is there, is that third party validation. God in his sovereignty understood that he needs to go ahead and be, come from a third party validation and be giving some information again, very short, and to the point which validates what Jesus told him in the first place. Mm -hmm. All of that is right in there, in that, that, that Ananias comes and repeats the specifics task of what God wants or Jesus wants him to go ahead and do. Mm -hmm. And it works. And it mm -hmm. works. 
Mm-hmm. And, and it's what is also interesting about this case study is when you're doing that, you don't have to talk a lot to these dominant people. You just have to give them information that gives them a, a redirection of information. And don't be offended by the fact that they don't need your help anymore. Mm-hmm. That's, <laughs> they, a, that's a great that's a great piece of information right there. They don't need your help. And don't expect them mm-hmm. when they do a 180 to explain why they did what they did. Mm-hmm. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> they just, the, the, one of the classic examples in, in the library of classical patterns on their style is that uh, Heidi made this decision. I don't make mistakes. <laughs> I just get more information and redirect my thinking on it. That's so well said. <laughs> I just I just changed it. I don't need to explain it to you. I just got more information. I'm moving mm-hmm. on. So mm-hmm. I don't understand why you can't move on. Mm. And, and, and everybody say, well, you know, <laughs> I don't see how you can make that kind of change. So the buddies can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Absolutely, they can. And they'll sleep like a baby at night. And, and see what, what you say is, well, yesterday you told me this and now you tell me that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you've got to go understand he's got more information or they've got more information and they're moving on. So mm-hmm. do what you can <laughs> to move on with them because mm-hmm. they, they, they've got more information and doing it. So it's, it's real tricky. I, I, I think with them, uh, briefness is critical mm-hmm. with, with, the, with this style, mm-hmm. uh, the style. You explain your perception of the problem and come up, and this is so critical, you come up with two solutions. I could do it this way or that way, and then you follow it up with this. What do you think? And Mm. probably the most misunderstood about the dominant style is that they solve problems by debating your conclusions. Mm -hmm. And it's exhausting. Absolutely. It's absolutely exhausting. Because and it can make an I and, a, and an S have to take a personal day, just oh, saying. And the C, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, but in different ways. Mm-hmm. The, uh, the I feels the rejection. You're rejecting me of this. Uh, the, the, the S is saying, well, you're changing something, and I'm not ready to you know, go there. And mm-hmm. the C says, but I have more questions. You mm-hmm. know? Absolutely. <laughs> all of these are incongruent here. Yep. <laughs> Yep, the different different styles, yeah, and, they're, and, they're, and they're normal. Styles. And that's why the giving of two solutions are, are being served in their court of, de, uh, of debate. Mm-hmm. They're debating the conclusions, not attacking you. You have mm-hmm. probably the most difficult thing and when you're dealing with dominant styles is to understand it's not about you. Mm, absolutely. It's about how they solve problems. And yep. they debate mm-hmm. any conclusion. Debate your conclusions. Filter out, I get it. Mm-hmm. And they can't get it unless they debate you. And, mm-hmm. and, and you can you can take it personal or not. And the mm-hmm. way you keep it from being personal, you give them those two solutions. Mm. That's, that, that, that's some great insight there, particularly with that dominant style. And, and perhaps yeah. listeners, you can relate to that. Perhaps you're one of the dominant styles and You've, you've heard the feedback that you've hurt people's feelings, or you've driven people away, or you've been intimidating, or perhaps you've been squelched by someone that has that dominant style. This is a great solution, Ken, to be able to bring those two options to the table. Uh, I'm thinking of this or that. What do you think? Because then you, then you allow their desire for power and control to remain intact. 
because their biggest fear is loss of control. By that, you bring the two to to the table. I remember doing this with my daughter because she has a strong personality as well. Like, do you want to wear the red dress or the blue dress, the red pants or the blue pants? And just bring her the choices. And then, then she'd say confidently, I'm wearing the blue pants. Of course you are. Go for it. But I brought them to the table. So we can do that as adults as well in conflict uh, situations. So that's that's really powerful. And um, that conflict, uh, I'll tell you, depending on how we're wired, we all handle it differently. And again, following Jesus' example of, one, not taking it personally, staying off the stage of the emotions so you don't get hijacked. And always coming back to that original affirmation, I care about you, I care about your goals. Jesus was always, even in his hard deliveries, you can feel the love coming through. I love you enough not to leave you here, Paul, which Saul, which is why I'm, I'm, we're having this encounter in this conversation right now. And uh, he's, he's masterful at that. And we can model that behavior. Be 100% honest, 100% respectful, as Crucial Conversation suggests. Let's move to our last component, Ken, which is teamwork and collaboration. Now, this definitely has to do with Christ connections. We're on teams. We're collaborating all day long, whether they're in the house or outside of the house, and and we build those bonds. We transform groups into, into teams, and Jesus is our example of that, to foster unified, engaged efforts. That's our goal when we're doing teamwork and collaboration. Our goal is to generate positive collaboration, cooperation, participation, high quality results, which nurtures that esprit de corps, that sense of uh, collaborative movement forward in a positive space and the ability to develop synergy in a interpersonal emotional effectiveness. So teamwork and collaboration, where do we find Jesus challenging a group of individuals and putting them into teams? Well, you, you sit there and you got 12 disciples, okay? And what he did, and Matthew, Mark, and Luke record this, where he, what he did is he divided them up into uh, six teams, two in each team, to go out into the into the um, into the land and go go ahead and take no clothes. They didn't have any clothes, but their power. They he was. They were given ability to cast out demons. They had had that. So there's a validation that they have, mm. and their message was to proclaim the kingdom of God, and their 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 validation gift was the ability to heal. And can you imagine going into a community and their people are, they were dealing with a, with a sickness, you know, mm. and these guys come in there and heal them. Do you think they made a point? Yeah, <laughs> you, would you be listening to this guy mm. or releasing these two? And they're playing off each other, you know, and they're, they're, they're talking about what's coming here. And of course, the, the power to cast out demons, that's pretty significant. When you look at that and having power, nobody could go ahead and control those things. But these guys show up and it's over, you know, type mm. of thing. So they had all the tools to go ahead and experience missionary efforts of making an impact in the community. So mm. he did that by putting two of them together. A second one, excuse me, it's only only listed, only found in Luke, Luke 10, where there were 70 believers that went out. And again, now you went from uh, uh, from six teams to 25 teams hmm. going out there. Same message, don't take anything on you. Ability to cast out demons, 
preach the kingdom is near and their validation, again, the ability to heal the sick. So Mm -hmm. you had all these elements there in building the confidence that we've got a plan here and we're going to go ahead and put teams together and you're going to be able to do it, do it. I mean, Mm -hmm. pretty good. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. I love the recourse of this too. Um, They came back rejoicing. Yeah. Oh, that, that, that ability that when they came back, they were pumped, man. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. <laughs> this the is demons this, are subject to us. Right. This is great. I mean, when mm-hmm. the demons <laughs> who, who nobody can control, they're subject to us because of your name. Mm-hmm. I think there's some, <laughs> there's some power there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. You know, I love Jesus response to that don't rejoice that the demons submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Uh, uh, I mean, that's our, that's our, that's our main focus. So Jesus was masterful at building teamwork and collaboration in the midst of such unlikely uh, uh, personality traits. I mean, in the 12 disciples, we have, uh, we have expression of the D's, the I's, the S's, the C's. We actually break some of those down in specific biblical studies within our book. It's important to just kind of keep this within your heart as you're going through earth school and you're interacting with people that are not like you, people that don't think like you, and you know you've rubbed up against somebody that that is not like you because they push your buttons. The people that push our buttons are actually our greatest teachers because they reveal where we're stuck, where the Holy Spirit desires for us to get out of our own way, whether it's uh, releasing in, in Galatians, we have the conversation, are we led by the Spirit or are we led by the flesh? And they could have easily been led by the flesh and they came back kind of rejoicing in the flesh and Jesus put them in their space. Don't rejoice that the demons respond, rejoice in this. So again, he's, he has that invitation for us in order to keep our teamwork and collaboration going in the midst of all of the different wiring systems that we all have. It is essential that we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's also essential, Ken, that we remember our identity, for it is God who works within us, both to will and to act according to his good purposes. We are the handiwork of God, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he has prepared in advance for us to do. So to keep that in mind, listeners, as you're going back out there in nurse school, as we close up today's podcast, to remember whose you are. And that's the first phase of emotional intelligence in Christ. Your identity in Christ allows you to move to the second phase, which is self-control. And that's the caboose of the spirit of the Holy Spirit's fruits, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, generosity, and self-control, kindness. The only way we can have kindness is if we practice self-control in the midst of when we rub up against somebody that isn't wired the way we are. So we go to Jesus to ask him to help me to see this person as you see them and as they desire to be rather than how their behavior shows up. This is a job for Jesus, my friends, because our emotions and ego create so much chaos so quickly when we feel threatened by the behaviors of other people, which will create walls rather than bridges in our ability to make Christ connections. So you want victory in your relationships, anchor your identity in Christ, lean into the self-control of the Holy Spirit within you, 
Nurture an altruistic attitude. That's the first phase. And those three allow you or give you the space to be able to create those Christ connections, even in the midst of different profile assessment results. And again, with any profile assessment, I'll often ask my clients, because I use the desk with my clients, hey, go through with a marker, highlight what fits for you and release what doesn't. Let's focus on what you know that you know fits for you. So if you take those assessments, do the same thing, go through with a highlighter and highlight what the Lord is moving you to focus on. He's always after our character, not so concerned about the exterior stuff we're going through. What he does is he's after the character that can be built while we're walking through our conflicts in those relationships with human beings that happen to be everywhere. Remember, Adam walked alone with God first. Man walked with God first and foremost before another human being came on the scene. So our greatest victory in our Christ connection lies in our connection with God. Ken, any closing thoughts before we close up shop today? Boy, if we could uh, get people to realize it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. If mm. you just... <laughs> Amen. You know, it does. What, what Today, what would you have us do? And help me to model how Christ loved. Mm. <laughs> if, we, mm. if we can do a better job of doing that, you know, mm. life's going to be so much better. Absolutely. Would you close us in prayer today, Ken? Father, I just want to just close this in saying, again, it's it's not about, about us. It's about you and your son. Help us to go ahead and figure out how do we go about the process of loving each other, creating creating unity in Christ and so that we can get on with this thing called life and do it well and do it completely. We just pray this now in your son's name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Ken, for visiting us once again with this four-part series. Ken and I also did another four-part series on emotional intelligence and DISC, specifically focusing on DISC. And so that can be found at edgegodin.com. More info on the Emotional Intelligence in Christ project can be found at emotionalintelligenceinchrist.com. Thank you for joining us today and give them heaven out there. There's enough of the dark side going on. Outshine the darkness. God bless you today.